To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome everyone to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song. You know this voice. It's your boy, Rook. Joining me, as always, is the man who with the plan. It's Mr. Don Moore. Hello, everybody. And returning to hang out with us tonight from Headless, it's Alex Benchetta. Hey, everybody. I'm back. Don't don't turn the episode off. Just, just hang in there. Oh, that, God, this guy again. Oh. oh, no, not again. No, man, we love you, dude. It's awesome yeah, to have you, you on. Yeah. Episode got no downloads, Alex. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to it. Well, that happens to us all the time. <laughs> we just do this for ourselves. Nobody really listens. <laughs> you're listening to – you're broadcasting to our dozen or so listeners. <laughs> that's all right. Hey, you know, that's those, those are the best people though, right? That's solid 12 or 20, right? I always oh, think of yeah. it that way. It, it, you know, that's the, that's the best part about the show is we've got that solid core of listeners that we just yep. love, we interact with, yeah. you know. Yep. They're always the ones liking the posts, sharing the posts. We love yep. those guys, you know. Those no, and that's cool. that's that's. I used to have a video game podcast a long time ago, and um, there was a guy that like somehow like we like we forgot like, he left a comment on like iTunes or something. We never read iTunes comments, and then eventually like either he figured it out. But he found me on Facebook, <laughs> but I didn't use my real name on the show, but like somehow he pieced it together. Wow. <laughs> I think I gave, like he emailed me and I gave him enough hints that he could figure it out. Oh, know what it was? My partner on the show friended him on Facebook. And I think he just realized based on the posts, he was yep. like, oh, this is, this is him. <laughs> so yep. like he left me a comment with like my screen name on the show. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. But it was a great, he was like the best fan. <laughs> So, you know, that was, that was great. And then like we had, we had our core. And then at one point I did an episode about Scott Pilgrim. I don't know if you, you guys look at where your episodes are downloaded from, but like I got a ton of downloads from like part of China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. telling my buddy, I'm like, why, why am I getting like hundreds of downloads from China on this Scott Pilgrim podcast episode I did? My buddy's like, they're probably thinking they're downloading the movie. <laughs> That's probably what's oh, happening. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's I don't really know. I have no idea. For a while, like Hasselhoff, we were huge in Germany for a little while. <laughs> yeah. uh, like we have Normal. no idea how or why, but like that's we really had funny. a bunch of stuff happening in Germany for a little while, and we're like, "That's cool, okay." Messed up. Yeah. You should have went to Germany. You would have been like stopped in the street. Like we know this voice. It's him. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were also for a while in our first year, we kept getting downloaded in Norway. I, Interesting. I, I, I can't help but notice that a lot of the countries that are downloading us don't speak English. <laughs> well, hey, I barely speak English. So. Uh, but I was, I was thinking maybe, uh, maybe there's, you know, an American or Canadian or somebody in Norway right. that's homesick. I don't know, but right. I have a feeling it was something else. But <laughs> just a mistake. That's really funny though. But yeah, let's 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 roll with it. You guys steer the ship. I will just ride along. You just well, go do you. That, that's a mistake to say because off mic we were talking, and Alex told us that 
And I hope you don't mind me seeing this on air. You broke your wrist. I did. That's true. Now everybody knows <laughs> my wrist yeah. broke. I hope <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not drawing any covers right now because <laughs> I would be missing those deadlines. So yeah, that's gotta suck, man. I'm sorry to sucks. hear that. No, it's it it happens, but it does suck. And it's funny because now I'll tell everybody now on air, off air. This is the most like unshaven I've ever been. Um, and what's funny is I broke my wrist when I was 14. And I said to my wife, how did I deal with not shaving when I was 14? Oh, right, because I was 14. Because <laughs> you were 14, bro. Yeah. I didn't need to shave. I just had a crust dash. That was it. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> so, Alex, you were saying that, uh, when we were talking off air that you've been reading a bunch of stuff lately, man. What, yeah, what yeah, I've been reading interest? a lot of comics. What are you into at the moment, man? I am completely obsessed with, like, the 2000s Dark Horse Star Wars comics right now. Like, I am just marathoning those because a while ago, I think it was a year ago, maybe like um, on May 4th. When, yeah, the force will be with you. What's the Star Wars day? May 4th, right? May the 4th be with you. May the 4th. Yeah. They had this massive sale on Comixology where it was all these giant Star Wars omnibuses for a dollar. So Ooh. I just bought like all of them <laughs> and I have like thousands and thousands of pages of Star Wars comics. So I was like, oh, let me read these. Star Wars Dark Horse comics that are set in the Clone Wars. And I'm reading them, I'm like, this is some of the best crap I've ever read. Like, I'm just being blown away. Like, I just read, um, they did a miniseries with General Grievous, and it was drawn by Peter Leonardi. I probably mispronounced his name. But I didn't even really know his art. And I'm looking at this art, I'm like, this art is insanely good. Who is this guy? And then I Googled him, and he also, like, co-created Spider-Man 2099. He's been around forever. And then I'm reading it, I'm like, and the writing is incredible. And it was written by Chuck Dixon. Yeah. And I'm oh. like, okay, I know Chuck Dixon. Like, I mean, I, I knew of him, but I never really read his stuff. So, like, I'm reading this comic, and I'm like, this is one of the best comics I've read in a long time, honestly. Like, the whole thing was amazing. Right. And then everything in these omnibuses is so freaking good. And now I actually, am, I've been reading a lot of, um, like, older comics, too. Like, I was reading the, uh, the first volume of Spider-Man. Uh, just the other day, like the very first Steve Ditko, Stan Lee Spider-Man. And that's yeah. been really fun. And then I've also been reading, um, I bought this like Morbius collection. Yeah. And I've been reading a lot of like um, 60s, 70s Spider-Man from that. And then I've also been reading, um, for a minute, I was reading a lot of, um, oh, I can't believe I forgot his name. But like the guy, uh, Kurt Busiek's, uh yes. Conan run, which is like insanely good. Uh, it's, it's, it's really for me, like a breath of fresh air. Cause I find, and I don't want to say this to like possibly upset anybody out there, but I don't like a lot of new comics. So when I go back and read some comics that I really enjoy, it's like refreshing. It's like, Oh, okay. This is what I like. <laughs> what, what do you find is the difference between the stuff that you're reading now compared to what you mentioned, new comics? Um, it's hard to put my finger on it, but if I had to say the difference is, is that a lot of older comics, I find they're more concerned about telling a story, yeah. while I find a lot of newer comics are more concerned about trending on social media, and they're also very concerned with, like, referencing memes or jokes I don't know. Oh. Um, it's like these weird – there's a lot of – like, I think something – this is going to sound weird, but uh, – so I, re I read the first issue of um, the new Gargoyles comic that came out the other day. From the cartoon. I, oh, yeah. What did you think? I liked it. But there's certain things I find that I nitpick 
And I see it a lot in newer comics and I didn't, I don't see it in older comics. And one of the things that bugs me that writers do, and I saw it in this comic is when they write a character from the perspective of the reader, not from the perspective of the character. And an example of that would be right in the beginning of the Gargoyles comic. There's this part where like, I forget the name of the character, but like the female gargoyle that was Goliath's wife, I think at some point, I don't know. I don't know too much about, she like grabs this guy and pulls him out of a car. And he's like, whoa, dude, chill. And she's like, I'm not a dude. I'm like, you would not be saying that in situation. You'd be screaming your head off because right. a monster just pulled you out of your car. So I find a lot of that in a lot of newer comics where the writers, they don't think about the characters and the story. It's almost like they're telling us, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like they're not in the story enough. It's like they're telling the story from the perspective of the reader because the reader's like, oh, that's funny. It's like, but the character wouldn't do that in that situation. Hmm. Well, but like I even read it. I really well, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, but uh, the thing is with the gargoyles, because uh, if I'm if I remember right, the what they said is that this takes place after the animated series ended, and okay. at that point, everybody in New York knew that gargoyles existed. So okay. they, well, then they were like very commonplace. But then, okay, then that example wouldn't be then wouldn't be right. But then another example I can give is I read another comic, and there was a part where like this zombie is going to eat this guy. And the police officer is like, oh, zombie, no, please, I don't want to get eaten by the zombie, please, no. I'm like, that's not what he would say in that situation, be panicking. Because that's what a normal person would do if a zombie was trying to eat them, they would panic. But this is just somebody being like, oh, it would be funny if he said this. It's like, people don't, maybe that's it. That's probably it. I find a lot of modern comics I read, the people don't act like people. They act like things that are meant to entertain, but they don't act like, they don't feel human. That's it. That's what I'm trying to say. The characters don't feel human. They feel manufactured. Yeah. Always and that's really it. Marks. They, they, they're, there to, they're there to say lines. Yeah. They're not there to like, and that's probably it. I, I'm not, not all comics, but I just find that like, there was another comic I, I stumbled into. One of my buddies showed me. There was like a scene where I think Batman was referencing like some joke that people would make online about him. You know? And I'm like, that's so stupid. <laughs> it's just so yeah. stupid. Yeah, like, Batman, why would Batman care about that? Uh, he, he's well, got like, way more important things to worry about. So it would be, like, something that, like, people always say about Batman. Like, I can't think of any. Like, you know how people always say, if Batman has enough prep time, he could beat anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I always hear people say that in comic book stores. It was something on that level that, like, everybody always says about Batman. Like, he said it, and then there was, like, a smirky moment where it was supposed to be funny. And I'm going, that's stupid. That He would never say that. Like, it, it doesn't, you're not writing a character. Like, it's just that I would say that's it. The characters don't feel human. They feel wooden. They feel yeah. stiff. Um, and not everything, of course. But a lot of this newer stuff I find. Also, I find a lot of newer stuff is not concerned with. There isn't a concern with, like, as much as telling a story as there is with having scenes. Like, yeah. oh, I like this scene. It's like, but does it fit in the story? Well, no. But we're going to ram it in. <laughs> <laughs> I Alex, find a lot you, of that. Do you think that this is part of the pro- part of the problem? It, it, do you think that it's that these characters have been so overused that they're they're really just beating dead horses at the moment, and that's why indie comics is becoming so much bigger because it's new characters, new stories, new storytellers, new artists. Yeah, people are getting to unleash in the indie scene. Yeah. I think I think what you're saying is definitely true, but I think it's more the fault of the leadership. 
because there are definitely a lot of people out there that have a lot of stories they want to tell in the big two. Mm-hmm. And I think the leadership, the problem is the editorial and the people who like are handling these characters, especially like the editor in chiefs, they don't seem to care about any of the characters or, or they don't really seem to, it, in my opinion, they come across as they don't care about comic books at all. It, it just yeah. seems like, like you sell, kind sell, of have sell. to be, yeah, sell this book, but is it going to like, is it a good idea? Who cares? It's got this cover and it's got this thing and it's trending. Sell it. It's like, yeah, yeah. but is this good for the future of the character or comics? Who cares? Do this thing. You know, it just feels cheap and it feels, I don't know. Like it's just, it, it, they don't seem like, it's almost like the people who make comics today don't like comic books. Does that sound right? Like it seems, it yes. feels like that to me. They're not into comic well, books. So They're I'm, doing sure, the, I'm, I'm sure the people, the, com- the comic companies care about them, but it's the corporate overlords that own them. Maybe we're that's at the bottom line, and they're they're trying to justify why we got these comics we're paying all this money for. We're making billions off the movies. Right. I think too the comic books have become like a factory for characters for movies, which of course makes sense. I understand that, but unfortunately, what happens is the comics suffer. And for me yeah. personally, like I like if I go and read like a mainstream book, at best they feel flat to me. At best, I'll be like, oh, this was okay. But yeah. I don't want to read a comic that's okay. I want to read a comic that's good. Yeah. So yeah. I'll go read a, a Spider-Man comic from the 70s, and I'll go, that was good. I like that. you know. And then I'll read a Spider-Man comic from 20-whatever, 2020-something, and I'm like, it was boring, or it was mediocre. Like, I just, I'm not into it. It's, And I think something that, again, I'm going to be careful. I don't read a lot of mainstream comics because the few I read I don't like, and then I just don't bother. Um, is that they're not exciting anymore. There was something, and I know a lot of people bag on the 90s in comics, but I'll say at least it was an exciting time in comics. There was a lot of enthusiasm. There was a lot of momentum. There was a lot of, you know, people going, this is the, we're going to do this. And McFarlane's like, I'm going to have Spider-Man do this pose and I'm going to have this and we're going to do this with Spawn. Like it was an exciting time in comics. And yeah, yeah, okay, maybe they went a little overboard with the characters looking like they're taking mega steroids and stuff like that. But at least there was a lot of energy behind comics. And now it's like it's just this thing that is in the background and it exists to create characters for TV shows, hoping people will watch it. <laughs> like it's it's I don't know. It's it, there's something there's something missing. I, I can't put my finger on it, but there's okay. some kind of. Uh, you, uh, you guys, let me hear what you think, because I'm going on. Well, no, no, that's all fine. It's just something we do talk about at times. Um, but some of the things you're talking about, I could tell you in the, the late 60s and early 70s, which were comics I loved. Right. I remember a friend of mine bought a, we were at a convention in 1982, and he, I think it was a, it was a Marvel comic, I think it was a Nick Fury comic, and they had a band playing. And we're outside in the, the hotel courtyard having lunch, reading these comics, and he says, Oh, now there's a band playing. And at one point, it was all oh, great. Now they're hitting everybody with their instruments. You know, um, basically, you're, guys that didn't like rock and roll were making comics about a band from rock and roll. It was like a bunch of monkeys. Right. You know, it wasn't until the Hernandez brothers started doing Love and Rockets that you started getting some cool rock and roll in comics. Now it's all the time. Right. But you used to get a lot of silly, zany things like that that... Um, 
saying, Rook and I were just talking last episode about Marvel facsimiles. You mentioned the Steve Ditko Spider-Man. Yeah. I bought a facsimile of the first issue, which I was shocked. I had never read any of it before. Mm. And, um, and, you know, Dallas had mentioned when he was reading old, um, not old to me, but the X-Men, when Dave Cockrum was drawing them. Yeah, I never read those. Yeah. Okay. Turn turn the show off. Go read them, and then come back, and we'll finish. The <laughs> but, um, no, I want to. I just haven't gotten to it. I've okay, read a lot of other. Okay, all right. But um, but Dallas, when after he started reading those, he was saying I I had forgotten just how much fun these comics were because they were so packed. You know, um, right. They were now. I'm saying this. I I do like I like all kinds of comics, but I. I once in a while, I do, I do buy mainstream comics. I've been buying a couple recently. Mm. But um, it's decompressed storylines. You know, um, tw- a year's worth of comics would have fit in one issue of Amazing Spider-Man. In the oh, seven- I, could, I can go on and on about this for hours. This is a huge pet peeve of mine, too. Like, um, I, I also think a lot of times they're writing these comics for people our age. You know, before, when I say this, they said comics were for kids, but adults right. read comics. When I was a kid, everybody right. military read comics. Uh, yep. I had teachers that read comics. You know, I mean, not at the school, but you'd find out that they'd pick them up. You'd see adults pick comics up, and, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of times my comics, my uncles, you know, my dad's friends would pick them up. But they were written for everybody. You know, I mean, right. kids could read them. But so could adults. I mean, saying that, some of right. the stuff was kind of silly, but there was big, big ideas and concepts, and a lot happened for your 15 cents every month. Right. And now, I think the writing for people, it was in the mid-90s when Dark Horse brought Nexus back, and I was excited, and I remember I bought an issue, and I was at the comic store, and the guy at the store, he was a really enthusiastic person. He goes, oh, those have been selling well. Oh, I'm glad. It's a good comic. And then he, his eyes got big. He says, it's all been guys over 30, which I was at the time over 30. <laughs> and when he said that, it kind of froze my soul because I started realizing you didn't see very many kids come to the comic store anymore. <laughs> you know, before, they used to irritate me. Like, why do these kids come in here to bother me? But now I started realizing... Not too many kids until Pokemon came out in the comics. Right. You didn't really see any, unless it was your kid like mine coming to the store. But right. they started writing comics for people over 30 and then later over 40 and now, you know, 50, 60, and 70. Right. So, I mean, anyway, somebody else talk. I've talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, on to what Alex was talking about. Yeah, I agree, you know. This is part of my problem now with going into the comic book shop. <laughs> Excuse me. I I look at what's on the shelf and I'm like, I feel like I've already read this. You know, yeah. I feel like I've seen this before. I've read this before. It feels recycled. You know, um, I, I, I'm seeking original, interesting stories, and that's where that's where you know Kickstarter comes in. People right. like. Just for an example, Scout Comics, you know, right. uh, these guys are publishing awesome stuff and it's not your normal tights and spandex and capes, you know, right. 
that we've seen over and over. I feel like I've been beaten over the head with tights and spandex at this point. And, you know, I originally started reading Walking Dead uh, because it was such a human interest story. Um, I'm really glad he ended it when he did, because it was really getting to the point where it's going to jump the shark, just like the show did five seasons ago. Um, You know, it's I want to be I want to be entertained not just because, haha, funny, we're connecting this to something in pop culture. I want to be entertained because the story is good. It's interesting. Well, the character develops. I think I think the root of it is, and this is going to I, – I feel like I'm already coming to this podcast negative. And that's not my intention. Like I'm not trying to bag on the industry. You're good. But you're I, good. Think, I think part of the issue is, and people don't want to talk about this, writing interesting comics is hard. so it's easier to just write you know something that might get trendy and pop on social media and something that references something else because it's hard it's just hard to do um and you have to be talented and you have to be creative and when you have these ips that are so incredibly well known and people have a a relationship with them you know it's like you love spider-man and no matter how bad spider-man gets you will keep buying it because it's spider-man you know, it's like everybody has that friend that they don't like anymore, but they used to, they've been friends with them for so long. They still hang out with them. You know, it's like, yeah. that's what, like, that's what's like, that's what's happening in comics is that, you know, I remember I did a signing at a comic book store and there was a guy there and he buys every single cover of every single DC comic that comes out every single week. Yeah. And I'm thinking you can't possibly enjoy all of these, but it's just, it's like, he's into it so much he has like a relationship with dc that he has like like this i don't know it's like he he feels like this is my books and it's the same thing in comics now is that like well no matter what they do with spider-man there's gonna be people who are gonna read it so it's like why are we gonna go through all the energy and effort to come up with something unique and original which is hard to do when we could just come up with something that like like, i almost i used to joke around that like it just seems like people will go put on the TV and put on the news or go on social media and be like, Oh, that's the thing people are talking about. Make Spider-Man do that. <laughs> you know? And that's, yeah. that's what it seems like is happening all the time now. And I think the root of it is, it's just, it's easier. And I don't begrudge people for, for doing what's easy and quick. But again, I blame, I blame the leadership for that. I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge the writer who's like, look, I don't want to write this comic. I just want to go, watch tv and get drunk like i don't want to do this so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna hammer out a story about what i saw you know five seconds ago when i was scrolling through facebook and then the editor is like well it seems good to me i mean spider-man sat around and did nothing but hey you know it's trending so who cares (laughs) well yeah but also editors don't sometimes don't let you do that to their corporately owned characters um there's been a lot of stories, even in the 80s, where a writer wanted to do something, and they said, no, uh, the character wouldn't do that, or they're just trying to protect their copyright, their trademark. Well, I understand I understand that, but I think, again, and I'm, I'm going to be careful because I've never worked at Marvel in D.C., and probably I never will after this podcast. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, everybody we're listens not, We're not this. hiring this guy, but <laughs> I think part of it is that I've heard a lot of rumors that the editorial basically is writing the books now. Where they'll basically come in and be like, okay, we want you to talk about this. So I really should say the editors sit around and be like, oh, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And then they find a writer who will just do it. And then the story isn't particularly interesting, but it didn't bomb. People bought it. It sold well enough. 
And that yeah. just keeps it just keeps going and going and going. And for me, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure there are great mainstream comic books out there, but I I haven't read anything that's come out in the past four years from like big companies that I was excited about or really enjoyed. Every anything I've read was either like okay, like I read the new Gargoyles comic, I was like it was okay. I felt like I got my money's worth out of it, but I didn't. Oh, you know what book I used to love? I take that back. I, no, well, I don't know. It was a while ago, actually. But when Ninja Turtles came out for IDW, I loved that book. The yeah. First, like, I loved it. I loved that was a good it. book. I freaking loved it. I don't remember when the first issue came out. It was probably 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that was like 10, 15 years ago. I hate to tell okay, you. Okay, so I take it back then. I was the only, <laughs> that was the last time I was really excited when I bought something was that, yeah. uh, that I could think of from like a big company. Like, I just loved it. That was my book for a long time. And then, but since then, I, I, maybe I'm just getting jaded. I don't know. But what I find for me, which is weird, is that, like, I, I watch a lot of movies. I don't know if I mentioned that last time, um, but I just watch a lot of movies. And I watch a lot of old movies. And whenever I just want to watch a movie that I know I'm going to enjoy, I'm like, okay, what decade? 50s. A Western. I'm sure it's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put it on. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, I'm like, that was a great movie. The other day, I watched a movie called One-Eyed Jack with Marlon Brando. It's a Western. Yeah. I came into it knowing nothing. I'm like, I know who Marlon Brando is. I didn't know he was in a Western. Watched it. I'm like, that was an awesome movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't feel that way about stuff that comes out today. It doesn't – it's boring. Even the movies today are boring. I don't like them. Uh, TV shows today are boring. Like, I, I – my tastes are just – oh, that's not true. I mean, I do like new stuff that comes out of Japan. But anything new that comes out of like the United States, I just it bores me. It puts me to sleep. I can't get into it. You know, um, well, this is something I'd like to talk about. What you just mentioned, and I've said this way back in some of the earliest episodes, the Japanese television model is it, it runs for one season. You know, Speed Racer, the cartoon, yep. they ran for one season, and um, they all do that and. The cartoons that I loved when I was a kid that ran in the, the 50s and 60s from Japan, they had a, a beginning, a middle, and end, even though it was episodic yeah. TV that I used to watch in the afternoons when school was finished. But, speed again, back to Speed Racer, uh, Peter Fernandez, he's the guy that put the episodes together and did a lot of the voices out of Miami. Sure. And um, he talked about how many episodes there were. And he said it ran for one season in Japan. I said, that's how it runs. Well, when he got it, he re-edited the stories. And he made, I don't know, seven more episodes so he could run well, a syndication. There's 53, I think, because I have the DVD collection. Yeah, me too. I'm looking at it the other day. I think it's 53. Right. See, you can tell how Alex thinks and I don't, because I just kind of, oh, whatever. I'm, I'm the reason the world is in such a bad place. You know, if everybody oh, thought like Alex, they would be on their toes. But anyway, he, <laughs> he re-edited, you know, did the stories. But I never got past that because here in the United States, comic books run forever. Uh, yeah. and, or and if they don't, but the idea is it's going to run forever. Um, television sitcoms, even in the 50s, once they started it, they wanted it to run until you just couldn't stand the show anymore. It was not profitable anymore. <laughs> just yeah. keep it going. Yeah, now, I, I remember when I was a kid, there was a show, My Three Sons. I didn't like it. People would watch it, and I was like, I hate this show. Well, Nickelodeon <laughs> and the 
in the late <laughs> 80s was showing them on TV, the old ones I never saw. It was neat. But, you know, I read in the paper they had a reunion of the actors who were all alive at the time. And they said that um, the show went on way too long. It said after a while, they started doing episodes on the dog. Because, you know, they just, they, they ran it thin. Yeah, but that's, they jumped the shark. Yeah, you know. well, you mentioned it, Happy Days. Happy Days is another one. I remember I walked The origin in, of jumping the shark. That was the first time. That's where yeah. it came from. They when I was in high it. school, I, I walked into my friend's house, and his roommate was watching Happy Days. Um, he had the stereo on, so the sound on the TV was off. But it was about the parents. And I walked in, I thought, that show's still on TV. And then I remember my friend just, after a while, he was getting ready. We were going somewhere, and he was like, they need to take that show off the air. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean. That's why know. I find these limited series things, um, like um, there was a show, uh, Taboo. Um, that that show was great because it was limited. It Like, it, it had an end point, and right. we knew it, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, on this Go ahead. I, I don't want to cut you off, but to, uh, too many of these shows and these comics, there's like, there's no payoff, you know. It, mm-hmm. It's just we're gonna mm-hmm. keep beating this dead horse until it gives mm-hmm. us all its money. And so, there, there, there's nickels and dimes left here, people. Well, you know, John so, Duran Duran John Taylor, you know that band that everybody hates but me. I like Duran Duran. Oh, Alex and I are, are good friends. You're you're not just a broken <laughs> camp now. But he was talking in an interview one time. Uh, I guess this is the late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, Duran Duran got famous because they had really good videos. And they kind of, made. you know, when MTV was new, they really jump-started it. And, of course, MTV mm-hmm. helped Duran Duran a lot. Yep. But they were talking about if they saw a video or something. It's said, well, it was new when they did it. But he also pointed out, if they had video of Stairway to Heaven, they never would have played us. They would have played the old bands everybody's familiar with. Right. And I, I think that's the thinking in the United States. Somebody said that's what makes the United States the United States. It's, uh, you know, it's money. So if you right. get something that's tried and true and people are going to like it, well, let's just fill it up with that. And um, right. A lot of times, new technologies. When I was a kid, I remember cable television. Um, some places in Texas had it because the town was too remote and too small, so they had cable. No, I had cable you, as a kid, yeah. Oh yeah, they had cable channels that just they showed. <laughs> I guess it was all pirated, but they had old Popeye cartoons. Um, I remember in the fifties, they say that they were throwing. Everything that they could fill the space up with, Three Stooges shorts, you know, old cartoons that yep. it was just didn't even fill up space because they had it. And of course, everybody loved that. And now right. it's completely controlled. And, you know, they, you know, every time you turn the TV on, if you're watching one of the, the cable channels, it's usually a handful of sitcoms that you've seen 50 billion times. Right. Uh, and they do what. what- What's weird about cable now, because I don't have cable, but my uh, I live in a condo. My condo has cable, like in the like gym, you know? Yeah. So I'm in the gym sometimes, and I'll put on the guide for cable. And what I notice what cable does now is they'll just play like 15 episodes of one show. Yeah. And I'll say, what the hell is this? And I was talking to my wife about it, and she was saying, I think they're just trying to compete with streaming. Because yeah. people don't want to watch a variety of shows. 
And to be fair, that's true of me because like I don't particularly like um, watching anything on Comedy Central. But if there's like 20 episodes of South Park, I'm like, oh, I'll watch South Park. You know, and then there's like one channel that only plays Friends. I forget which one it is, but it's like the Friends channel. I think it's TBS. I'm like, oh, I'll watch Friends, you know, <laughs> or Seinfeld. I'm like, I'll watch Seinfeld. But uh, it, it is weird. And I think – so what we were talking about – there was something I wanted to talk about earlier. I was trying to remember. Rook, you were saying something that – oh, 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 how the, the comics don't end. Yeah. Um, this this is a, the root of what I think hurts very badly um, a lot of major American comics. And I've talked to a lot of people about this, and this is the advantage manga has over Western comics because they keep trying to figure out, like, why does manga sell really well? It's like, well, outside of a lot of other factors, one of them being that the manga has to come up with as many possible interesting ideas that they can because the market is so saturated. And if you can't come up with a cool idea, no one's going to read your book. Like, um, you know, Death Note, really cool idea. Parasite, I don't know if you've read that comic or seen the anime, really cool idea. So, but on top of having a really cool idea, manga has an ending. So everything yeah. that happens in a manga matters because the characters continue to grow because the stories have an ending. But in American comics, the characters never grow and they never really change because the stories never end. So yeah. there's no stakes. Nothing matters. And that's that was a bitter pill for me when I started to figure that out when I was reading comics. Because when, I think everybody, when you first get into comics you think that the changes they're making matter? Like, oh, this character's going to be changed forever. It's like, no, it doesn't matter because they're going to undo it at some point later. Like when Spider-Man unmasked himself, everybody was like, oh my God, Spider-Man unmasked himself. I'm like, it doesn't matter. They're just going to retcon it. And they did. You know? they and they did. did. And, then they, and then they did the, this. there, there was a point where, um, what was it? Spider-Man like made it, I never read these, but like Spider-Man made a deal with Mephisto and they tried to restart his continuity like that. Yeah. And then they yeah, undid they, they undid the unmasking right there. And then they just so I, I was trying to explain to people like this is what I don't like about American comics and I don't get emotionally invested into them is that the stories don't end. So I don't care what happens to the characters because I know ultimately it makes no difference. Yeah, it's entertaining. I could read a good issue of Batman and say that was entertaining. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Batman is never going to achieve his goal. His goal to me, in my opinion, is to stop crime. That will never happen. Right. So it's just him going through the motions. Um, well, and, and that that's, that's why the problem. I like the Elseworld stuff so good so much is because you have a definitive storyline like B- Superman Red Sun, uh, Batman right. Gotham by Gaslight, you know, these things they have a that, definitive awesome, yeah. end of the story. You right. know. Doesn't matter that it had no nothing to do with any of the continuity. It was this wild story that just took you out of continuity continuity and gave you a great story right and this is like another thing you were saying before how that when you read a lot of manga you know what the ending is usually so like when you read one piece luffy wants to get the one piece that's what i think that's what it's called the treasure he wants that's the ending of the story you know what the ending is they're still dragging it out until he gets it but that's where he's going right like there's a clear end point um, I'm, I'm really into the manga Berserk. And then the creator died uh, recently, but they're going to bring it back without him. One of his assistants is going to draw it. But anyway, so I'm excited they're going to end it. Hopefully it ends well. But you know what the ending of that book is. You have a good idea because this character wants to get revenge on another character and the whole story is building towards it. And then it starts to change, but that's the direction it's going. So there's, as you're reading the story, you know where it's going. 
But when I read Superman, I'm like, where is this going? Nowhere. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, is it, he it, ever going to? It doesn't yeah, it's matter. The same thing over and over again, you know, and, and you know, it, it, it. The big publishers are comfort food because, yeah. you, you know, the good guys are going to win. The bad guys are going to lose anything that bad that happens. Anybody that dies is going to come back. They're going to retcon it. It's right. comfort food. You know, right. and that's the way I look at it now. Like if I want <clears throat> like if I just want to sit down and kind of be mindless in my reading, I'll pull some old books. If right. I want something wild and interesting, I start deep diving into, you know, Kickstarter, Indiegogo and start like hunting down really weird concept books, <laughs> you, right. know, you know, right. So. No, I, I, I think it's a big problem in American comics, and I don't think it's ever going to be fixed by the big two because they have no financial incentive to fix it, right? No. And no. I, I, don't, I don't begrudge them for that. I understand where they're coming from. Why would you turn around and say, you know what? We're going to kill Superman. We're going to kill all these things that are worth money, and we're going to do something new. It's like that's a stupid thing to do. I get it. I understand their perspective very well. But – the, the difference between the American comic book industry and the Japanese comic book industry, for example, is that in Japan, like the books are very creator owned. So yeah. when the creator yeah. is dead, the book is dead. Like the, the book's not being made anymore, to my knowledge, because I think was it uh, Dragon Ball is still going. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get booed for this. I, Dragon Ball Super is terrible. I'm just going to put it out there now. It's horrible. <laughs> it's fan fiction. I've heard so it, many it, people it, say that. It's horrible. <laughs> It is not Dragon Ball. It's fan fiction. So, like, it, I mean, it's technically Dragon Ball because Akira Toriyama is still working on it. But whenever I read it, I'm like, this is so ridiculous. This comic has gotten so ridiculous because it has no endpoint. Like, they don't even, like, Dragon Ball, I'm going to go on a different tangent. Uh, the point is, is that in Japan, because the comics, that, to my knowledge, are owned by people, when those yeah. people die, the book ends. And then, so in Japan, it's not that people so much follow particular characters, which they do, of course but they follow publishers. So it's like, I read Shonen Jump or right. I read this other thing that, so then when that publisher says, we're going to create a new book, people will give it a shot. But in America, yeah, nobody cares what DC puts out. If Superman or whatever isn't on the cover, if DC's like, we're going to try something new, everyone's like, well, they're not going to read it. Like maybe some people will, but ultimately nobody yeah. cares because they're, they're, they're screwed. They're backed in a corner. They don't have a choice. But and that's that's what really has kind of hamstrung comics from the beginning in America. And now these characters are so big and there's so much money behind them that it's so hard for indies to kind of blow up like they did in Japan. Because all those books effectively are creator-owned independent comics, except – well, maybe not truly independent because they have a lot of money behind them. But that's what they are. Um, but we don't have that in America, and it's a bummer. And I don't, I don't know if we ever will. Hopefully, maybe one day. But a big difference in the publishing of Japan. I don't know how it is now, but 11 years ago, you mentioned Shonen Jump, but all those kind of big phone book, thick books that the people yeah. would buy, the publishers, a lot of times, didn't even break even. That was the yeah. goal when they published those was to break even. And right. uh, some of the manga my daughter would read, I would read the. The writer, you know, whoever created the manga would talk about it. Uh, there was one called Hot Gimmick, my daughter liked. and I didn't know it. Yeah, I don't know it. It's Well, you know, when I would read about manga, it, it, strange as it sounds, they used to not bring it over here. 
once in a while you get, like I saw it about, you know, Hiroshima, very rare. And then all of a sudden, I guess in the 90s, it just started popping out like, like mushrooms. But you could not find it. And you'd always <clears throat> be told about manga. You'd even get Japanese copies that you couldn't read. Right. But they would talk about, they besides the, the giant robots and the superheroes, they had sports comics. They had comics for girls. And all right. I thought was, well, that'd be cute. I have no interest in reading it. Well, come to find out, the comics for girls are extremely interesting. Um, one of my know, favorites is uh, a comic called Caracano, which is for girls. That's <laughs> like yeah, one of my well, favorite mangas. I, I read everything my daughter had. And, uh, anyway, in Hot Gimmick, which is, it's about, it's about corporate housing. You know, um, people that live where their fathers work, they all live in a corporate housing and has a pecking order. Oh, I didn't, start. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been told that, and that's what the story's about. But the person that's in charge of the, you see, you know, um, Sony, his family would be in charge of the the housing. <laughs> So they have a right. bigger place and they kind of control everybody, you know, and they, anyway, it's, I, I don't know if it's predominantly in Japan, but I do hear these stories, but it was good. But anyway, the creator would talk and at the end of the book each time. And she was so thankful that people were reading her book because it was in one of these like shown and jump type things. Yeah. She'd done other strips and they didn't survive. They only went so long. They didn't have interest. And this one just right. kept going and she was able to finish it. Nice. But once the strip finishes, the way the publishers make money was putting out the collections that you see everybody read at border, you know, yep. borders um, at Barnes and Noble, and right. you have kids laying on the floor when you're trying to get through to see something. Right. That's and by the way, that's a huge indicator of something to me, because to me, when I walk into a Barnes and Nobles and I'm tripping over kids reading manga, I don't, yes. I'm surprised people don't look at this and go, "What are they doing that we're not doing?" Because yeah. I don't see people tripping over kids reading like DC and Marvel comics when I walk into Barnes and Nobles. It's always manga, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. why are we not as like it's just it's crazy to me because I read a lot of that stuff and I look at it and I'm like, what are these people doing that I need to be doing myself? What are they doing right? You know? And yes. it's crazy to me that people don't like people in America don't think like that. They're just like, eh, it's because characters have big eyes. No, it's not. <laughs> that's not why people read the books. Well, you know, that's that's the thing. They um, I'm losing my point all of a sudden. Stan Sorry. Lee, when Jack Kirby left Marvel Comics, before when Stan Lee was with the company in the '60s, you didn't know what was going to happen next. It was just one concept and one one story that just popped up after another one. When Jack Kirby left, Marvel Comics was in a panic. And Stan Lee put down a mandate of the illusion of change. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it's a big thing. Yeah, that, and it's it hasn't stopped. So Spider-Man yeah. could be unmasked, but just for a little bit, and it's going to go back. He could yep. get married, but it's going to go back. Superman could die, but it's going to go back. Just what you guys yep. are saying. Yeah, that's where American comics have come. But the thing was, as I said before. You're protecting trademarks, whereas in Japan, sure. the creator owns it. So it's up right. to the publishers. Those stuff connects to people because, like you said, they're buying these Shonen Jump type books, right. which the companies usually aren't making any money on, maybe a little. Well, they sell them for nothing. 
they sell them for yeah. peanuts. Like it's but like it's, you can buy one of those for like five bucks, I think, or less in Japan. Like they're nothing. Right. It's to expose the the strips, and so they can sell them later if they they have a popularity and they finish. Yeah. But I, I will say this: I do have to leave in in eight minutes. <laughs> so yeah. I do. Have okay. to... Well, I want to say something to you, Alex. Before you know, you you yeah. you, you know. If the comic book industry can't take critique, then the comic book industry is broken. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree. And, uh, you know, you were talking about like, oh, you know, after I after I say this, I'll probably never listen. If the if true, <laughs> open up and pay attention to the things that are happening around them, like with manga movement, then they're not paying attention. You know. You guys make a solid point on going into Barnes and Nobles because I just went into one recently, and mm. there's like a whole group of kids who obviously don't know each other because they're yeah. they're in like three different groups right. sitting in the manga aisle, mm. and then you go over to like the, the 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 big publishers aisle, you know, with all the graphic novels and stuff, and they're just there's nobody there. Yeah. You know? I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. I don't even think, I mean, I don't go in Barnes and Nobles all the time, but I would like, if I go to the library, right. Yeah. I'd be like, there's a bunch of kids reading manga and they're always reading stuff I never heard of, you know? And it's just like, it, it's to the point where like when I, it, it, to me, you know, something crazy is going on when I used to read like a lot of manga and I used to watch a lot of anime and I still, you know, watch a fair amount. But when I talk to like people at work, don't mention the most random animes to me. I've never heard of. <laughs> and then I'll mention, I'll mention like, oh, I really like, like, I'll mention like an old anime. I'm like, I like Ranma Half. They're like, yeah. what's that? I'm like, I like Osama Tezuka, the creator of Ashwari. I like his stuff. They're like, who's yeah. that? And it's like, in one way, that's crazy. But in one way, that's good. Because the fact that they have made so much new stuff and they're coming out with so many new, interesting ideas that I could mention the guy who basically created the manga industry in Japan, one of the most popular, most famous manga creators ever, Osama Tezuka. He's like, who's that? Yeah, well, it's like everyone. No, Astro Boy, no, Astro what's that? Well, it, it's it's crazy though, but it's like a, a big, it's like refreshing in a way. Yeah. Like it's kind of nice that there's so much stuff. That, and I'll have I'll talk to people at work that have absolutely no interest in comic books, have no interest in anything that seems nerdy. But then out of nowhere, I'll see them reading some manga I've never heard of on their phone, <laughs> and I'm like, somebody's doing something right here. <laughs> Clearly, this it's like I work in hospitality. I think I mentioned this before. When I see the the guy working the dish pit, I'm like, oh, I gotta read the next chapter of this manga. I'm like, all right, clearly we we gotta figure out what we're doing wrong here. Because <laughs> if this guy is on board, you know, and he doesn't seem to like comics at all, and he just wants to talk about sports, but he's into this, <laughs> like we have to figure out how they're doing this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, and and it's. Like I said, if, if we can't take critique in the comic book industry, then we're then it's broken. Period. You know, sure. we need to look at why why the rise of indie creators and Kickstarter are so successful, and there's so right. many people drawn to it. Why manga is just killing it. I mean, just killing yeah. it. And you know, uh, I'm I'm finding like I went I went to Atlanta last year and I found a book up there that's very manga style but it's an atlanta creator and it mm. was great it was a great book mm. nice uh it's you good. know it's uh, it, i don't know M me i just don't think that the big guys are gonna do it they're not they're not interested in it they're they think that market is pennies you know 
And well, you know, in a way that could be good though, because sometimes what's bad, I mean, I'd rather see new publishers and smaller publishers grow bigger and new creators grow bigger outside of the big two. Because yeah. to me, yeah. what kind of like when you see like, for example, like movements in film or movements in music, what happens is a bunch of people get together and say, we don't like the way things are done. Right. That's always what it is. Like, you know, a band came together with shaggy hair in England and said, hey, this music, we're going to do music this way. And that was the Beatles, you know, and it's 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 better for them, like independent voices and people who want to do things a certain way in comics to just grow on their own and become big on their own and change the industry versus a big corporation comes in and says, let's buy that person and let's bend them into using what they kind of like, but making that version of Spider-Man with a little spin on it, right? And then it's like, but now it's not really, the movement doesn't have a chance to grow, right? It's almost like, imagine if this would never happen, but somehow if Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon Ball, was like a kid, and he made some Dragon Ball and he was doing well, and then Sp Stan Lee or somebody at Marvel hired him and was like, just draw Spider-Man and give him big eyes. And then he did his spin on Spider-Man, and then we never got Dragon Ball. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, it's like it, it's better ultimately like what i don't want to see is the big two to suddenly start going hey let's like these like if all of a sudden indie comics start to really grow and they start to really make money i would hate to see the movement and the energy behind it get kind of co-opted by a big company who's like we're just gonna pay you and we're gonna poorly slap on what you like onto spider-man like i don't want i don't want to see that happen so yeah. I'd rather see the opposite. I'd rather the big companies be like, ah, we don't care why people like these comics. Yeah, we don't want new ideas. <laughs> we don't want new interesting voices. We don't want that. Yeah, because yeah. Let let let's leave the 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 wild creative stuff growing and and let, let, it, let, grow. it, let it on yeah, its own. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I want. I I don't I don't want to see like like you were saying this guy from Atlanta made like an awesome manga. I don't want to see that guy get bought up by you know, DC or Marvel, and they're just going to like ruin him, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, exactly. we're just going to exactly. bend yeah. you into our box and, and make you make the comics we want. But, you know, we're going to put in the few things that people know you for. Like, that's, it, it's just, I don't want to see it happen. So I, 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 you know, I'm glad people have their head in the sand. That's that, that let's, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> let's let, that's a positive thing, despite how much it's frustrating for people. It's better for new ideas to grow on their own. And, and they're, and they're out there. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Yes, absolutely. And Alex, I know you got to get out of here. So before you go, let's get everybody's head out of the sand and tell them where they can find you and headless. Okay, cool. So I actually, I'm going to, I have some things I'm supposed to plug. So, okay. so I'll do that. That's a good segue. Speaking of new stuff. Um, I have a book coming out. Uh, it's in previews right now. It's called Rawhead Reborn. It's being published by American Mythology. It's like a interesting uh, take on this kind of like um, folklore monster called Rawhead. Um, that's coming out. People should check that out. I have another book that's about to be in previews. I'm allowed to talk about it, even though it's not announced yet, called Legion of Exceptional Gorilla Men. It's <laughs> like, a, I think the title says it all. It's about, <laughs> it's about gorillas with superpowers. It's very wacky. It's very fun. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like X-Men meets, I don't know. It's, 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 it's silly, but it's also mature. It's like for adults. Nice, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a fun book coming out. Legion of Exceptional Gorilla Men. Uh, Headless Season 2 is wrapped. Uh, I currently don't have any announcements for Headless Season 3, 
but I will say things are going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. And then things are percolating. I'm not going to make any promises, but there's some motion there. Um, that's all I'm allowed to say on that. And then there's another uh, new thing coming out from American mythology called the cursed verse, which I'm excited about. And I hope it go, does well. Basically American mythology is creating their own new universe inspired by pulp stories yeah. and comic. Yeah. Okay. And that's going to, it's going to be called the curse verse. And the first issue, I don't know when it drops. I don't know if it's in previews yet, but the, the impression I'm getting is that if it does well, um, they have all these kind of pulp characters they're creating or pulp inspired characters. And they're going to kind of just put them in this book. So it's like kind of like a universe within it. I think it takes place in 1914. I forget exactly what year it is. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. And that's coming out too. So Cursed Verse, check that out. I'm not in that yet, but I hopefully will be because I have some things I want to write for it if it keeps doing well. Uh, Rawhead Reborn, I wrote that. That's coming out, I think, in May. Legion of Exceptional Gorilla Men, I think that's coming out in July. I don't know. Um, And then I have something. Oh, I'm not allowed to talk about that either. Okay. (laughs) So that's that's what's going on. (laughs) Nice. That's good stuff, though. And then I'm I'm not I'm not on social media because I don't use it. Uh, I mean I'm technically on there, but I never use it. But mm-hmm. my I do use Facebook Messenger. Like if somebody sends me a message, I will respond. Um, and also my email I think is on there. Okay. Nice. But that's uh that's it. That's 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 all my plugs. And then you could just email hey. me. Um, on my Facebook, it's there. Even with a broken hand, you busy, busy, busy. Yeah. It's not easy with one hand, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, they got the they got the, the voice to text thing now where you can talk and oh, yeah. speak. Yep. So that's really helpful when you can't use both your hands. <laughs> but there is there is there is a lot going on. And on this topic, we were saying before, um, everybody should also check out American mythology because they put out a lot of really cool, interesting books. If people haven't already checked them out. And I have those two books I mentioned before, Rawhead and Legion of Exceptional Gorilla Men are both coming out through American mythology. Nice. They do good stuff, but they're completely under the radar. Um, and yeah, they are. When I order stuff at the store, I they were they were republishing Michael Kaluta's um, Carson Avena stories he did in the early 70s for DC. And I, I specifically said American mythology, Carson Avena's, and all of a sudden, I get this Carson of Venus comic that's coming out that has nothing to do with it. So, well, this isn't what I asked for. Mm. And, um, it's it's hard, but I see this stuff all the time online. Uh, they do a lot of good work. But- oh, and they're also, I almost forgot, they're, they do a lot of compilations. I was in a book that came out a few months ago called, like last month, Scary Christmas Volume 3. I was in that. I wrote a story in that. It's like horror Christmas book. I had a really fun story in that. And they have another book. <laughs> Coming out. Hey, how are you? How are you? I was, that's on the podcast now. I stayed home with my neighbor. You're good. Um, and then uh, they have another compilation called Beware the Witch's Shadow, which is like a really fun, like kind of Tales from the Crypt kind of book. And I have a story or two, it might be two, coming out in the one that's coming out this year. Nice. Nice. Mm. Lots so of good stuff fun. coming from you, man. I love it. That's awesome. It was super, super fun. It was a good conversation. I think it was good. So it was fun. 
All right, man, get out of here. Enjoy your evening. Thank you again for joining us. And yeah, thank uh, you, you for know. inviting me. It was a blast. I really had a good time. It was very, it was very refreshing to get to talk comics with some people. It's good to talk to you guys. It was really fun. Anytime. All right. All right. Take care, guys. It was fun. Thank you, man. All right. Bye. See you. Oh. Alex is always fun. He's so much energy, man. It's it's fantastic to have him on the show. It is, but I'm kind of exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Don's got to catch his train of thought here, so I'm going to fill in for a second. All right, everybody, you know this drill. Go to the website. We have T-shirts for sale. They help us pay our server fees um we're not trying to get rich uh we don't even get paid for this we make no money off this we do it for the love of comics if you are an artist of any kind we would love to get you to draw us a cover for one of our episodes uh, some people say they're not good we de- we love every single one of them that comes into us bring it If you're a musician, we normally do a music break on regular shows, but Alex is so much energy. Even with this being a regular show, just talking, we just kept rolling. During the interview shows, we don't do music breaks, but you can always look for those regular shows where it's just me and Don or me, Don, and the mysterious Dallas talking. (laughs) Don? Yeah. Uh, if you want everything we talked about in the episode, will be on the blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com, click on the Cyclops. And in the meantime, read more comics. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on, on the Cyclops. The Your dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.